I, if you would turn in your Bible uh, this morning to Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to preach a message that I hope is applicable to your life right where you are. Uh, before I jump in, though, I just want to encourage you, each one of you, turn to your neighbor and say, this means you. Now point at yourself and say, this means me. I want you to know that God sees you right where you are. He sees you right where you are today. Amen? You might not understand everything that's happening in this sanctuary this morning. This might be, this might be the first time you've ever been in a worship service like this. God sees you right where you are. You might look at the word and you might have confusion about some things. Confusion about what does this mean or what does that mean. I want you to know that God sees you right where you are. Do you know if you're honest before the Lord, there's times where you're conf confused and you're like, what in the world does this verse mean for me? And you know, well, that's okay. That doesn't mean that, that you're, you're crazy. That doesn't mean you've done something wrong. That means... That means that you don't understand, and that's okay. God is still with you. Keep seeking after truth. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Amen? He'll teach you. You might be sitting here today wishing that you were somewhere else. And uh, maybe even digitally you are somewhere else. God sees you right where you are. He sees you. You might be in a time of struggle where you're questioning your faith, where you're wondering, is my faith for me or is it just for my spouse or is it just for my friends? God sees you right where you are. Amen? He sees you. He sees you. Tell that to your neighbor. He sees you. You're the God that sees us. And before I pr preach the word I'm going to preach, I just want to pray this. I just want to pray this over. This might have just been for one person here this morning. God, you told Hagar when she was kicked out by Sarah and Abraham, she had a skin of water and her son. She sat under the tree wondering what she was going to do. She had nowhere to go. But you looked at her and you said, I see you. And you gave a promise over her that her son, Ishmael, would be multiplied. And you fulfilled that promise to Hagar. And when you spoke to her, she worshipped you and she said, you are the God that sees me, for I have seen the one that sees me. You encountered her because you cared about her. 
And God, in our struggle today, somebody needs to know God sees you. And so you've interrupted this service right here, right now, to bring that message and to bring that word. God, I receive it right now. You see me right where I am. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 6, um, the Bible, the Bible uh, speaks to us. I need to get there myself here. Hold on just a second. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13 says this. When God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. That's the promise to Abraham. It's a promise that God gave Abraham on two different occasions. When he first called him, he said, I will multiply your seed greatly. And then on Genesis chapter 22, when he sacrificed Isaac on the mountain, he, he said, multiplying, I will multiply you. This is a direct quote. And so this is the blessing and the promise that God gave to Abraham, that, that he would be multiplied. We see that it is the business of God to bring blessing, and it is the business of God to bring multiplication, this twofold promise to Abraham. I will bless you, and I will multiply you. It is the business of God to multiply. And when he created Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1, what did he command them to do? He commanded them to multiply. In Genesis chapter 9, after the flood, and it was just Noah and his sons, God spoke to Noah and his sons, and he commanded them to the same thing that he said to Adam and Eve, he commanded them to multiply. God works in multiplication. All of the forefathers, we just, read, we just mentioned Abraham, but also Isaac and Jacob. God met with them and spoke to them the exact same thing. You can uh, do a, just do a search for the word multiply, and you can see that in, in the end of the book of Genesis, both with Isaac and with Jacob, God met with him and said, I will multiply you. Oh, praise God. Praise God. And so God works in this thing called multiplication. And so I, this morning, I want to go to uh, two different stories quickly of miracles of multiplication that are in the Bible. And I, and I want to uh, then relate them to our own lives. So let's go to the first one in 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, if you'll turn there with me, God is in the business of multiplication. We'll come back, uh, I believe, to Hebrews chapter 6 in a, in a little bit here because there's a qualifier that we need to get at the end of the message. Um, but uh, so, so if you're turning there, keep your finger there. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. This is a miracle of multiplication. Um, and so um, 
a, a certain woman, verse 1, of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. The creditor is coming. This woman was in dire circumstances. Her husband, a godly man that in some way was in relationship with Elisha, she described, the Bible describes him as the sons of the prophets. And so the group of prophets which Elisha was the chief over, uh, he was part of that group. And he was a godly man, and he feared the Lord, but he was in debt. And so if you're in debt today, I want to give you encouragement. Uh, you can still walk in righteousness and godliness and still find yourself in a place where life has taken you for a loop. And you find yourself in debt. And the creditor is coming. And in those days, uh, slavery was a way to get out of debt. They didn't have credit cards. They didn't have all of those different kinds of things. They, they, you could not file bankruptcy. You owed the creditor. And so you would give yourself. And you would say, here I am. Or in this case, the, the thing that she had of value was her son's. And because of the severity of the debt that she owed, uh, he was going to take uh, the son's. And she was between a rock and a hard place. This is a difficult place to be, isn't it? Difficult place to be. And here she finds herself. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Now, if you and I were to take and list out everything in our house, it would take a long time. Um, if you've lived in your house for any length of time, you know that, that it would take a long time for me to pack all of this stuff because we are a people of stuff. We've got basements filled with stuff. I, I walk in my basement and I think, wow, I've only been here nine years and look at this place. Anybody with me on that? In fact, you don't want to move just because you don't want to have to deal with all the stuff, Right? And probably the one who's going to have to deal with all the stuff is your children. Shortly after your funeral. Now, hopefully you, you uh, if you've had a, a loved one die and you've had to deal with all of their belongings, hopefully that will cause you to change how you cause your children to deal with the belongings, she was not, this woman was not in that situation. It was a simple day, and she was poor. And she was asked the question, what do you have in your house? And she was able very quickly to list everything of value in her house. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house, but a jar of oil. Friend, I want to tell you that the way that God works 
through multiplication. It does not matter what you lack. It does not matter if you look at your situation and say, I don't have this or I don't have that. What do you have? And I simply, I simply want to, to, I don't want to belabor this point because I think it's preached often. But God is not looking for your ability so much as your availability. What do you have in your house? What can you do? What can you do? It was a joy this morning to have Catherine on the worship team. What do you have in your house that you can do? Well, I, I, can, I have this talent or I have that talent. And I, I declare over each one of us that with the spirit of multiplication, God can meet every need that you have. Hallelujah. And so our eyes are on him. And, you know, she going to the prophet in the Old Testament, this was the way to go to the Lord. She would go and, and talk to the prophet. God did not speak to just anybody in the Old Testament like he does now. He spoke through the prophet. What do you have in your house? I have nothing in my house except for a jar of oil. So the prophet said to her, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. I love that term, empty vessels. Now, she hopefully was not just wanting the prophet to just wave his hand and money fall out of the sky. Oftentimes, that's how we want God to meet our need. We just want hands laid on us and bam, it happens. But that's not how God always works. God wants you and he wants me to participate in the miracle. To be a part of the miracle. He wants you to be a part of it. And so, and so God gave this woman an assignment. Go to everyone you know. Go everywhere you know to go. And collect as many vessels as you want. There's only one qualifier on the vessel. The vessel has to be empty. If it's full, don't take it. Only take the empty vessels. Now, this is good news. I, I'm just feeling the Lord speak to me right now because an empty vessel, when, when you, the, the neighbors that had the vessel, they used to have something in them. The vessels used to have oil in them or flour in them or some kind of commodity in them, and they're all used up, and now they're on the, they're on the pile of emptiness. And there's some people here this morning that you feel that way. You feel like I used to have a function in the kingdom of God. Remember the days pre-COVID? I can hardly remember them. It's like a fog. But uh, you, you might have had a ministry. And now you're sitting in the pew, you're sitting in the chair, and you're, 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 you're row, and you're saying, I don't even know what my, uh, my purpose is. You're an empty vessel. I used to have purpose. Can anybody relate with what I'm talking about? And now it feels like I don't know what my purpose is. You're an empty vessel. Well, you're exactly what God is looking for.
an empty vessel. God's about to fill you. Go and gather the empty vessels. And the last scripture that we're going to look at if we have time today, the spirit of multiplication is about going out and gathering empty vessels. Because this city is full of empty vessels. This city is full of empty vessels that need a purpose. And when you have, and, and, and he tells her, do not gather just a few. Do not gather just a few. This is important. Do you remember when, when at the end of his life, Elijah, uh, Elisha uh, told the king, strike the ground with the arrows. And he only struck three times and then he stopped. And, and, and the prophet, the last thing he did before he died was to tell the king, you should have struck the ground six or seven or eight times. You should have kept striking. God never told you to stop. Keep striking, keep striking, keep striking. But since you only struck the ground three times, you're only going to defeat your enemy three times. And you're not going to get rid of them because God was looking for passionate people that would, that, that would not just do a little bit. And he told this woman, go and gather as many as you can. Do not get just a few. I'm telling you, God's about to do something. Do not just get a few. Oh, thank you, Father. And then shut the door behind you and your sons. Come in, shut the door you know what this is? This is shutting the door on all the, the people in her life that did not understand what was happening. They don't understand why you love Jesus so much. They don't understand why you worship, why you believe God so much. You've got to shut the door on those voices. Amen? You've been given a diagnosis from the doctor. Do you know what you need to listen to? You need to listen to what the Word of God has to say. You need to lean your ear into what He would say. And you need to close the door on all of the other voices that would speak to you, oh, it's so bad. Oh, it's so terrible. Oh, you know, they, they, they uh, try in some fashion to console you and coddle you, but all they can do is minister in a, in a, in a human kind of a way. They cannot carry the word of the, of the Lord. And you need to listen to the word of, of God. Shut the door behind you because what is about to take place in this room is only for those that believe. It's only for those that have faith to believe God for a miracle. Oh, praise God. Shut the door and then pour it into those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. And it came to pass that when every vessel was full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. You and your sons live on the rest. Can you imagine when she had this jar of oil and she began to pour, you know, the, the Crisco or whatever it is, uh, probably olive oil, probably something a little better than Crisco, right? And so uh, she began to pour 
And, you know, it's probably a smaller jar that she's got in her hand. And this smaller jar, because of the multiplication, begins to fill up this bigger jar that's on. And she's pouring, and it just keeps pouring. It's not getting any lighter. It keeps pouring and pouring and pouring because the miracle is happening inside that jar, right? And as she's pouring, it keeps keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And she goes to the next one and the next one and the next one and dozens and dozens of jars all around the room and it keeps pouring and it keeps pouring. And friends, this is not just a nice Bible story. This really happened. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I have heard of miracles like this. I have read the story of Brother Andrew. God called him to bring Bibles into communist China many, many years ago. And he ran on one vehicle on the same oil for 200,000 miles and never changed it and never hurt his engine one bit because he had no other oil. God provided a miracle. Amen? And so those kinds of things. God is in the business of multiplication. In John chapter 4, another verse that is not in my notes, but God, uh, or Jesus told the woman at the well that he, he would give her a drink and that she would be filled with rivers of living water from within and it would, it would flow, flow up into a well of everlasting life. And so you feel like, well, I'm just a little small empty vessel. When God touches you, he can begin to use you to fill vessels that are much bigger than, bigger than you. I feel like that often as a pastor, pouring into people. I'm pouring into vessels that are much bigger than me, and it is coming from his throne. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you, you go to work. You go to school. You go and you see the people around you. God has called you to be a blessing to the people around you. You know what you're doing? You're taking of the oil that God has put inside of you and you are pouring it into the people around you. Hallelujah. And it does not dry up and it continues to flow and flow and flow and flow. Hallelujah. Go with me to the book of John chapter 6. John chapter 6. This is a powerful New Testament story of a miracle. Now, this, this miracle of multiplication is one of the only, there are, there are only a couple of miracles that are listed in all four Gospels. And the feeding of the 5,000 that we're about to read is one of those miracles. And it's very similar in a lot of ways to the miracle in the Old Testament that we just read. Let's read. Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near, and Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread? that these may eat. But this he said to test Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. That's eight months wages. Eight months wages is not enough to feed this crowd. And every one of them even have just a little bit. 
But one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? What do you have in your house? I've got a couple loaves of bread. And I've got some fish. But I don't know. There's 10, 12,000 people here, 5,000 men, plus their wives, plus their children, upwards of 15,000 people following here in this crowd. And Jesus looked at them and said, make the people sit down. I love this. There was much grass in the place. Because I'm, I'm trying to imagine myself there in this moment, sitting down, watching, hey, that, that guy's doing amazing things for Israel. Look at this crowd that's following. Okay, he's asking us to sit down. And when Jesus took the loaves, he had given thanks, and he distributed them to the disciples. Say, to the disciples. So he had five loaves of barley, bread. He broke them into 12 pieces and he gave them to the disciples. The miracle has not happened yet. The miracle is about to happen. He's given thanks. He's broken the bread. He's given it to the disciples. And the disciples gave the bread to those sitting down. And likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, truly this is the prophet who was to come into the world. And so this is an amazing miracle. Amen. And my question is, where did the miracle happen? Where did the miracle happen? Did it happen in the hands of Jesus? No. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. And they, they broke some off. And they gave it away. And can you imagine them just watching that loaf of bread just continue to grow and grow. And they keep breaking more off. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. The disciples became participants in the multiplication. Praise God, because this is, this is what God does. He multiplies. He multiplies. He is a multiplier. And so in the situation of the widow, we have a woman that is in debt and in need. And God is able to multiply and give you everything that you need in this life to get you through. Praise God. Now, we're, we're planning for this winter. 
And you've probably heard that there's this little thing called inflation in America right now. And that electric and heat bills are going to go up 33%. You've heard that, right? And it may have concerned you. And you might say, well, why? And that might anger you. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of reasons why that might be. Uh, We're preparing for that right now. Talking with Dan this morning about how low we're going to set thermostats this winter when we're not here. Don't worry, we're going to heat the building when you come. <laughs> you won't have to bring your coats. And so, you know, I, we are not saying, we are not saying that, that we should not plan for the future, right? We should plan. If we know something is coming, we should make adjustments. We should make arrangements. My wife and I are talking about how we can install a wood stove in our house so that we can supplement with wood uh, to to heat our home. And so we are planning. We're making arrangements uh, for for what is coming. But uh, I want to bring assurance to you this morning that this God of multiplication is going to take care of you because he can meet every need according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Go with me uh, right now to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to make this a little bit practical. We're going to make this a little bit practical. God makes a distinction. Um, God makes a distinction. Um, might be 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Thank you, Lord. Yes, yeah, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God makes a distinction between the people that are his and the people that, that are not his. Verse 6, look at this. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, everybody say, God is able to make all grace abound to you that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work, unless there is a recession. Oh, it doesn't say that in the word. Unless interest rates climb high. No, it doesn't say that in the word. Anybody with a 401k? I heard somebody say that. I used to have one. <laughs> Been cut in half. Oh. In any and every situation, God is able. God is able to make all grace abound to you. Listen to this phrase, 
always, having all sufficiency in all things. I love that phrase. Always. When? Always. In a famine? Always. In a recession? Always. Any time. Oh, that's good news, folks. That's good news. And why can this happen? This can happen because you are, you are no longer just citizens of the United States of America. You are no longer just citizens of this world. You now are citizens of the kingdom of God. You now are a part of his family. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are a part of the kingdom of God. You stepped out of the kingdom of darkness and you stepped in to the kingdom of light. Oh, hallelujah. And friends, there has never, ever, 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 ever been a recession in the kingdom of God. There has never, ever, ever been lack in the kingdom of God. And when you are a part of God's kingdom, verses like this become yours to own. Hallelujah. Always having all sufficiency in all things, you may have an abundance to spend it on yourself. Oh, that's not what it says. That you might have an abundance for every good work. Well, how does this happen? How does this happen? God provides. Sometimes God provides by giving you a job or a second job. There are seasons where we simply need to work hard, right? In fact, that's, that's something God takes delight in when his people work hard. God might have somebody hit your truck. And I got, I got provision through the insurance company. Praise the Lord. I'm fixing my truck myself, and there's an abundance for good works left over. Hallelujah. God provides. Glory to Jesus. There's an infinite myriad number of ways that he can provide, including multiplication. The abundance of multiplication. Verse 10. Now he who supplies... It's him that supplies. Quit whining about your boss. Quit whining about those that sign your paycheck. Don't participate in that. The people in your office have ganged up against those that are over them. Don't participate in that. Don't participate in that. There's some people laughing right now. Because you know. You know how this works. It's not your boss that supplies. It's not the one who signs your check that supplies. He is the one who supplies. And that's why we should all be working hard because we're not working for our boss primarily. We are working for the Lord. Hallelujah. And he is worthy of my best. He is worthy of me to give, uh, to, to give my absolute best uh, no, no matter what.
Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Had a, had a union man come to me one time, and I'm not, opposed to all, I'm not opposed to all unions, but he came to me one time and said, I only, I only work four hours. I fulfilled my quota, and then I sit down. And I thought to myself, if I would, if I would have that job, the union would fire me. The union would make sure I got out of there because I'm not going to give four hours of work for eight hours of pay. I'm going to give eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. Because I'm not primarily working for the union or for my boss. Who am I working for? I'm working for the king. I'm working for the Lord. I am going to do my best. And you have to decide how to flesh all that out. But I am working for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and it reflects in everything that I do. He is the one that supplies the seed to this sower, bread for food. And he's the one that provides bread for food. And he will supply and what? Multiply. There it is again. Multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything with all liberality which causes thanksgiving to us through God. Thank you, Father. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise. We give you praise. Let's, let's close with one more verse here this morning in Luke chapter 14. If you'll turn there with me. You know, this thing called multiplication is why you are a Christian. This thing called multiplication is why you are a Christian. Right? Because Christianity multiplied to you, <laughs> to your family. Amen? And I'm, I'm looking around here, and I'm seeing some brown chairs not filled this morning. Um, and we have more brown chairs in the fellowship hall not filled this morning. But God is into multiplication. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 16, we read this. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, all things are ready. But they with one accord begin to make excuses. They make excuses. Anybody here ever made excuses? That's what they are. They're excuses. And we like to, we, you know, we like to apply this to, to church attendance. Can I tell you? That's part of it. Gathering with the believers. Not just coming rotely to a, to a service, but gathering with the people of God. How many of you, without raising your hands, have been people that have made excuses? And I can see all your hands raised up. And they said to him, I bought a piece of ground. Well, that's a good thing. I ask you to have me excused. 
And another said, I've bought five yokes of oxen and I'm going to test them. I asked you to have me excused. Work, that's a good thing. Still another said, I, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Nobody has ever influenced their spouse not to come. And oftentimes we use family. Oftentimes family gets before God. And it should never be that way. And you know that I take my daughters on vacation. And there are times that I uh, even get to take my wife on vacation if she'll go with me. I'm not, against, I'm not against making memories with your families and all of these things, but we have got to be careful, friend, that they don't become excuses as to why we're not serving God. And so they went out and they said, hey, uh, come, come, come to the banquet. No, I, I can't because of this. I can't because of that. And you've witnessed to people and you've, you've invited people to church. And they said, oh, that's nice that it's for you, but I can't because fill in the blank. Or, or you've, you've invited people to church. And one of the trends now is to say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll come. I'll come. Hold your breath. Right? Hold your breath, and you wonder. And so he came back to the, to, the, to the master and reported these things and said the master of the house was angry, not at his servant, but he was angry at the ones that refused to come to the banquet. How many of you know that? How many of you know somebody that the presence of the Lord that, that is here this morning during worship? How many of you know somebody that the preaching of the word of God, that it would be good for them to be here? Yeah? Yeah? But when you think of these very people, where are they? Where are they? Probably watching television or relaxing somewhere. Very few of them. They're somewhere. Well, the, this master of the banquet who represents God was upset with those that had been invited but could not come. And so the master says, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor. Bring in here the maimed. Bring in here the lame. Bring in here the blind. And in his day, these are the ones that were outcasts. Do you know what the Pharisees believed? They believed that if you were maimed, if you were poor, if you were blind, they believed that that was judgment on God for you being a sinner. That's what they believed. And Jesus telling this parable is saying, get the ones that everybody else thinks is judged by God and tell them the banquet is open for them. That there's nobody that's on the second rung here. They all can come in. Hallelujah. There's no second class people in the citizenship of God. In his kingdom. He wants them all. And so the, the servant goes out and he brings them in. And, and then he says in verse 22. Master it is done as you have commanded. And yet there is still room. Hallelujah. And so the master said to his servant, go out into the highways. Go out into the hedges. Go out to the places 
forgotten that nobody is going to. And compel them to come. Compel them to come. That my house may be filled. This is multiplication. You know what this is? We've come full circle. People that are empty vessels. God is wanting to fill. Multiplication. If I had time this morning, I would take you through the book of Acts. Where the book of Acts says over and over and over and over. And God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And God greatly multiplied those that were getting saved. Like six or seven times in the book of Acts. Where the people just went out and shared their faith. And God multiplied multiplied. I shared a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember where, if it was here or in Petersburg, but I felt the Lord speak to me and say, there, there is coming a season, and even now is, where a simple invitation that people will say yes to that invitation. And it is going to get easier. And so I was in a restaurant I was in Emos, sitting there with Dale. And a, a woman came up to us and said, can you watch my things? I need to use the restroom. And she didn't say it like that. I won't say it how she said it. <laughs> it was funny. I laughed. And I said, you don't have to worry. It's going to be okay. And so Dale had to leave, and she came back. And her and I talked for about 20 minutes. You know what I did? I invited her to church. And I guess during that 20 minutes, I had shared with her that I liked apple pie. Because the next day on Wednesday night, she came to church and she had for me an apple pie. And I thought, this is easy. You can apply that however you want. <laughs> she didn't understand everything that happened, but she was here. And I'm connected with her, and we're talking. She hasn't come on a Sunday yet. But she was here, you know what? And God began to minister to her because, you know what? God loves her just as much as he loves me, just as much as he loves you. And I believe that we need to give opportunity for people to say yes, because they will, because they will. Multiplication. Multiplication is why we're going to Cuba. Multiplication is why God's planted us here in this corner of the world to reach Lincoln, Illinois, Logan County, the surrounding communities, Multiplication.
And the question is, will you be a participant in multiplication? Say, here I am, Lord. You know, in a practical way. We talked about a practical way in giving. Close with a story I've shared maybe two or three times that was shared with me from a missionary in Africa. And there he was working. And they had had two years of drought. And they were starving. The people were starving. And humanitarian aid came to them from America in the form of seed. And their people barely have anything in their belly. And they have two choices. We can either grind this seed into flour and make some bread to feed our family for a month or two. Or we can take this same seed and we can sow it into the ground and we can believe for the drought to end. And he was a part of that meeting where with tears because their families are starving, the elders made the decision to take that seed and sow it into the ground and believe God for the drought to end. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And can you imagine their joy when the heavens opened up and the rain began to fall and the drought ended after, the, after two and a half years. The drought ended, and you know what happened? Multiplication happened. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Some of you say, you know what? I've been sowing seed into my children. I've been sowing seed into my family. I've been sowing seed into my brothers. I've been sowing seed in, into, into my parents. I've been sowing seed into my community, into my neighborhood. And it feels like nothing and nothing, nothing, nothing. Can I tell you? That seed is still in the ground. And when the drought ends and the rain begins to fall, oh, it's going to produce fruit. And I believe we're coming into the season where it's beginning to rain. It's beginning to rain. It's beginning to rain. And the question is, will you participate in the multiplication? What do you have in your house that God can use? God wants to multiply you. He wants to multiply me.